Welcome to Punk Law 101. I'm Walter. This is a legal podcast. I run an illegal podcast on the side. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Ninth Amendment, the sexiest amendment of them all, uh, the National Voter Compact, and what kind of uh, legal hurdles it may face. And then finally, we were talking about negative precedent. That's right. Me and John are going to go into Mr. John Roberts' brain and talk about the thing he fears most, negative precedent. And what does it mean when we talk about a case potentially having that? So let's bring on the greatest attorney in the world, Mr. John Renault. A warning. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for legal advice. And if you have a question or wish to act upon the information in this podcast, we recommend you consult an attorney in your particular state. Do you know what amendment I've always been very fond of, but I feel like is underappreciated? The 10th? Well, not 9th and 10th. 9th and 10th? Ah. It's a good shot, though, right? I, was, I, I hit close, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's because, like, to me, they, they basically just... They're, they're, like, people really get, like, 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 caught up in, like, what the amendments, like, say and what they don't say. But nine and ten are kind of like, hey, we forgot some shit, but you know, that's not all of it. Just because it's not in the Constitution doesn't mean that. Yeah, uh, like, like that's what I love. It's like that foresight to be like, by the way, <laughs> just because we forgot it doesn't mean it's not a thing. Although honestly, I, the way that people treat it, that's kind of how they act. I, I like when people are textual. Yeah, like, like, like that's my point. It's like to me, my problem with originalism. To me, like the existence of the Ninth Amendment literally is like just because we didn't talk about it doesn't doesn't mean that you know it doesn't I, exist. I think that was like my favorite back in high school because I used to watch a lot of uh, Boston Legal, and that was always the one when people because back then that was before uh, Ober Ogerfell was even like close to being a thing. See, I, and like that I, was my reasoning as to why like gay marriage should be allowed. That, no, I, I I strongly agree. I've always felt there there was a Ninth Amendment argument, but no one ever made it. It's because. Uh, yeah, like I think people forget about the Ninth Amendment a lot. I think they yeah, like, it, we don't, do. We ever go over it in law school? Probably not. How no, it, you don't because like because con law one is basically like what it's like amendments like two and I don't fucking know. I know con law two covered the First Amendment, and then con law three, which is crim, covers like four, five, and six, and then like basically one through six get covered, and then seven, eight, and nine, or like 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 seven through ten just get kind of get ignored. Well, seven still gets covered in crim law, I think, right, or adjudication. Very briefly. But you're right. Like there's certain aspects of the Constitution that never get touched on. The Seventh Amendment is really not a hot-button issue. Mm. I think the Eighth Amendment should be talked about more with cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah, that's uh, – well, that's one of those things that, like, I think the definition of cruel and unusual changes as the, the – the, as we evolve it, it does and again that's why like a textualist can't that, that's why textualism is bullshit because how do you textualize the eighth amendment uh i guess they well that's where they come in with the originalism 
BS where they go, you look at the time and you say, what did they think of Cruel and Unusual back in 1776? But like, you would think that if, if, if the founders meant for it to be construed that way, that they would have been a little more fucking specific. That's true. I mean, I... Uh, well, back like, then, that's the whole argument of, well, originally, they're only supposed to apply to the federal government, so if the state wanted to be a bunch of dickheads, but then eventually it got, you know, eventually after the 14th Amendment, it all got applied. That, to me, seems like a huge oversight of the founders. Like, they didn't really think that part through. Like, oh, wait, the states could be dicks about it. Shit. Yeah, but they, I think their thought always was, well, they could always leave. They could always – back then, there was only, like, what, a few thousand people, like a few hundred thousand? Yeah, like move. like if, if the state of Virginia was being an asshole, you could just leave the state of Virginia. But, like, that's not a thing now. Yeah, it's all kind of covered. That's I think that's another thought that, like, people kind of underestimate. So back then, there was only 13 colonies. You basically walk your way okay. into somebody else's so, place. So, so here's the question. Do we just want to teach the listeners con law? Because it sounds like that's what we want to do. I, I think I like this conversation about the Ninth and Tenth <laughs> Amendments. I think, I think we have landed on a good topic. If we want to go on some other things. Like, for instance, I, I did that video on the, the National Voter Compact. I think that's, maybe we could talk about that for a little bit. I did I have a couple of notes on that. Too. Because, like, I, I mean, like, I, I had Gonzalez for con law one and con law two. And I spoke to him once about the Ninth Amendment, and he basically said to me, like, he feels that the Ninth Amendment is kind of like a catch-all provision. I mean, it kind of is. But no one talks about it. And it's like... I think the only time I remember it being talked about is Roe v. Wade, and they start talking about the spheres of, like... Uh, and that's the only time I've heard the Third Amendment get mentioned, too. Roe v. Wade is one of the few ones that mentions all the amendments. They go, which is, the, which the is Third Amendment... fascinating the third amendment. in and of itself. They talk about the spheres of influence of, uh, you know, like, uh, of like, here, like, we're talking about privacy and like the spheres of like privacy that come from the Third Amendment and the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment and the Ninth Amendment. Talk, like, it's like the only time any of those amendments get talked about, like, it, it, all, all together. That, that's because that was a very unique decision, See, too. Like, I, I have this feeling that, like, what's really happening is, like, I feel like, like, SCOTUS knows that the Ninth Amendment is a catch all. Mm-hmm. but I feel like they're saving it for a rainy day. Well, I think it depends on who would be. I think because if you, here's the way I look at it. If you talk about the ninth amendment too much, it will get politicized. Yeah. If you just leave it be, you can use it when you really need it. Like to me, the ninth amendment is like the big red button. That something has gotten to us. that is so important that we're going to have to pull out all the stops. And we have this, this thing that we're just, just hanging out like, oh, yeah, we don't talk about this because we're waiting to use it when it is necessary. Yeah, I, I think with uh, – I, I think it was one – again, like I, that was always my argument for gay marriage and all, like, all of those kind of cases back when we're, we're realizing that there's certain rights that we left out. And there's certain things that when we were thinking of this 200 years ago, we didn't think about it because it wasn't a thing at the time. So I, I, I don't know. I always, yeah, you're like, that's a, that is one that always gets kind of underplayed though. Um, yeah. But like, I truly believe that is intentional. I, I don't, well, I don't think we'll ever see it as long as Roberts, as long as there's a conservative majority, I don't I, think see, it'll, it'll, I disagree it'll be with used. you. 
I think he would use it if he had to. Well, that's so that's one of the things we could also talk about. Because I had somebody come up to me the other day because Ginsburg was sick, and this is before it was revealed that she had cancer. And he's like, So, like, what do you think is going to happen Gin- with Ginsburg? Ginsburg had cancer for like the last 10 years. She's had every cancer. This well, I don't know what's going yeah, on. Like, like, this is not new. Ginsburg is literally half tumor. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I wish her the best, but she's like 50% tumor at this point. She's, I mean, she's probably got like some of the best medical officials looking at her trying to keep her up. You think? Yeah. <laughs> it's like every abortion doctor is just like, hey, I'm going to donate some time here. I'm going to like work on this right now because uh, I don't want to be like, you know, I, I, not just out of a job, but basically made it illegal in a lot of states. So I, but I do think there's going to be a time coming. That's actually my biggest argument for people when they when they're talking about Trump versus Biden. I'm like, uh, SCOTUS. That liberals might finally realize that the Supreme Court matters, and that throwing your vote away because you're mad about Bernie is a terrible idea. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the things that people have to kind of come to terms with and realize, especially if if Thomas is going to be retiring in the next couple of years. Too. Man, fuck Uncle Tom. <laughs> Um, and also Breyer. Like, people don't realize how close we are to having, like, three justices off the Supreme Court. Like, it is entirely possible that Biden will appoint, like, three like three justices. It could totally happen if he wins. Yeah, three. I I don't think there would be a fourth, because Alito's still kind of not that old, unless Alito... Who knows? Like, Maybe Alito will get hit by a bus. Who knows? Um, but he, yeah, he's not that old. That was only the... That, you know, he, he is, uh, how old is Alito? Alito's only been in like in the late 2000s. I'm actually surprised at how young Roberts is, to be fair. Like, Roberts isn't that old either. Well, that was a Bush thing, is stick guys in there who are younger. I think Alito was before Roberts, actually. Let me check. Might have been. That's why, like, I... I, I... Check. Is the... I think that was, that was starting to sound like a trend, though. Oh, and you're going to see that more as we go forward because see, but like, here's Supreme the Court thing, justices though, are on the Supreme Court for a while. While that may have been getting a, older, while that may have been a Bush era thing, I do think that is in general a good policy. I don't think we should be appointing like geriatric patients to the Supreme Court. I mean, like, uh, Sotomayor is not that old either. No, she's not, and I think that's fine. But like, oh, Alito's seventy years old. Yeah, maybe he'll get hit by a bus. How wasn't Scalia like? How old was Scalia when he died? I mean, yeah, I. Holy I, shit! I agree. Scalia was born in thirty six. <laughs> this is Fuck also. Time out. This is also say born in Trenton. Two, we had two Supreme Court justices who were born in Trenton. New Jersey is like, hey, we're one of, hey, we're one of the original thirteen colonies. Fuck everybody else. That's becoming a very big thing of like, we're very pro Jersey on this podcast. Yeah, because we're both from Jersey. <laughs> no shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, Jer- Jersey is like a legit OG America. And we both have some understanding of New York's situation where we go, you know what? New Jersey's well, actually kind of better than New don't, York. Don't get me wrong. New York's all right, but New York can go fuck itself. <laughs> um, 
dude, I can't. Yeah, like now you said that, man. He was, damn, how old was he? That mean, seventy nine. So yeah, I mean, Fuck. but Breyer, Ginsburg, um, Thomas, and then Alito are probably the next ones to go. Like, there's a really good chance that the next four years we're just gonna see a like a, a vastly different court. Oh yeah, I I totally believe. It. I'm shocked that, I mean. I'm shocked that Thomas hasn't already declared that he's going to retire. There, there has to be something going on behind the scenes with him. Because I know for a fact that conservatives definitely want him to retire. I also think that he's kind of like, you know how we were talking about last week with like some guys getting like a little bit, some like justices getting a little bit more liberal as they get older, even though he's not liberal, like he hasn't written a liberal opinion. I do think that maybe his like personal feelings on things or why he's like holding out until the next term to, to retire. Could be. See, like I wouldn't be surprised if what happened was like that Thomas just doesn't like Trump. Well, cause remember like he was one of the ones saying maybe we have to re- review qualified immunity, which is one which of is the like, rare times I've heard him ever say. Yeah. Something like which is like my- super weird. Like, damn, if even if Thomas thinks that, then that's, that means something. Yeah. Well, but he was also one of the few that, that was very much on the, the, the subpoena case. He, he voted for Trump both times, basically. See, but like I can, I can imagine a world where you hate the president, but you're willing to let things go as they are. I can understand from the, the perspective of you. Well, so I can understand from a legal perspective. And I think people forget this because remember last time, like people were like, oh, uh, Alito and Thomas, they're just, you know, they're. No, they're Alito, for- I actually think is like Trump supporter lockstep. Fuck Alito. I, I, okay. I have said for the longest time that I do not like, um, that I don't like Thomas. Yeah. I actually like Alito less. <laughs> But I have always felt like as a brown person myself, my feud with, with, with Justice Thomas was more interesting, and so I tend to highlight that. Yeah, with, uh, I think, like, Thomas, again, like, people always overrate where a justice voted on something, where you can pick any case and there's at least one dissenter most of the time. The only one I can remember off the, I know there's a couple this, this time around where there was a 9-0 decisions, but there was... I mean, like the USPTO case had one dissent. I mean, well, there, there was there was no dissent in what is arguably the most important Supreme Court case of all time. Are we going to dead air this? I figured you'd guess. Oh, uh, which one do you think is the most important? Or are you I, talking about? I would uh, argue Brown v. Brown v. Board of Ed was the most important Supreme Court case of all time. Hmm. That could definitely go down as a very good argument for the most. That's the thing. I, as far as what's the most important, I know people who would probably, what was the, what's the one that, uh, the Marshall case from back in like the, the first, there's always like, I, I never can understand, like I can never give you the argument as what's the most important. See, case. to me, the thing with, with, with Brown was, it really set the stage for separates not equal. Like that was the holding. It was like, okay, you can't do that, and mm-hmm. that—that's really what dismantled segregation in America. True. And like, here's here's the way I look at Brown v. Board. Brown v. Board was a case where it was a 9-0 decision, and on top of that, the opinion was so short 
and to the point that they printed it in the newspaper on one page. And that was a deliberate choice. I think that court knew damn well what they were doing. That was not something that they did um, by chance. That was intentional. We want, we want everyone to be able to read this opinion. So we're going to make it so succinct that it's going to be printed in the newspaper in its entirety. Oh, you know what? I had a qu- Somebody came up to me with a question the other day. Since we brought up Brown versus Board of Education, one of the other, two of the other major opinions that get brought up a lot of the time, especially when people look at history, is Dred Scott and Plessy versus Ferguson. Oh, and- boy. Well, the reason why it got brought up is I, I was talking about negative precedent. We talked about it before with uh, why John Roberts might go certain ways in some of these cases, you know, including on June Medical Services, where he, 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 he voted and he concurred in judgment, but not in opinion. So actually, that, that case is actually kind of more, more okay. of a red herring than a lot of things. So, I but, mean, as, as, a, as a bedrock foundation, Brown v. Board literally overturned Plessy. Because the two holdings are opposite. Plessy mm-hmm. basically said separate can be equal, and Brown v. Board said at no, like it can't be. And then Dred Scott, like, let's be fair, Dred Scott is probably the worst opinion ever penned. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and again, I know, like I say it all the time, I'm a broken record. Roberts does not want to be, he does not want to have the next Dred Scott on his name. That is what, I'm very certain that's what's motivating this man. He does not want to be looked at with that that gaze of, oh, and then, well, that's what negative precedent is, basically. Uh, So somebody had asked me the other day about that because he was interested in a lot of this, and he was asking me about why John Roberts was going, like, maybe John Roberts is more liberal. And I go, no, I don't think he's more liberal. I think it's he's worried about, he does not want his court, because what happens is in cases like Plessy versus Ferguson and Dred Scott, it created a negative precedent where everything your court did is seen as as negative. Like, and it's... Yeah, like, like it, 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 Having a decision like that would taint his name going forward. And he yeah. knows this. And again, I, I feel like we say it in every episode, but it's, I think people really need to understand this is what motivates a lot of these chief justices. Absolutely. Well, especially, yeah, because your name is on it. It's, you will be, it will be remembered as the Roberts court. Exactly. Know? And he does not want that on, uh, to happen on. And again, this is why I think uh, I would argue that Alita would probably rethink some of his decisions if he were the chief justice. Oh, I don't know about that. I am not saying that he would change his mind. I'm mm-hmm. saying he would think about it. He, he'd give it a second thought. Potentially, I, I kind of yeah, because you start thinking about yourself in the in the lexicon in the history of the world kind exactly. of deal. Exactly, it becomes a very different story when it's your name that's going to be attached to this. And like, look, I don't know John Roberts, I really don't, but he strikes me as probably a good man with mm-hmm. conservative values, who, upon reflection in his older age, realizes I can't let these things happen on my watch. Yep. I think that's uh I think that's why 
we've gotten a lot of the weird decisions we have already. And then also I think a lot of people didn't expect Gorsuch kind of being a little bit of a but wild again, card on some things. Gorsuch, Although, but Gorsuch had a history that alluded to this. So if you didn't expect Gorsuch to be a wild card, that's your fault. Frankly. This is true. Because I, I will give I will give Gorsuch credit. Right now, he does strike me as a true textualist. And while I think textualism is bullshit, I can I can respect it if you're consistent. Yes. And if Gorsuch remains consistent throughout his entire career as a staunch textualist, I may not agree with what he does, but I will respect it. If he pulls a Scalia on me and starts being a textualist when it benefits him and, you know, sees the Constitution as a living document when it doesn't, well, then Gorsuch can go fuck himself. But currently, he has proven himself to be consistent. At least as far as we know. Like, we will see in the future. <laughs> um, I must say... As a side note, I feel like the dynamic here is that like I'm more the, 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 the edgy one of the two of us. I feel like I have much stronger opinions about many things than you do. <laughs> I think it's, it's been a while since I thought a lot about it. That's the thing. Like I have kind of – I've always kind of been – I don't know. I feel like I had stronger opinions years ago, and I think all my opinions nowadays have been kind of I, – I don't know. I, I think it depends also on the case. Uh, it's everything's kind of case by case. I, I think with the with some of the cases, like I thought the the McGirt case was very interesting. Actually, like, like those kind of things, like I think interesting, but I think it gets mischaracterized. Yeah, because like I have that problem with like my gaming buddies. Again, if, hey listeners, if any of you uh, are online gamers, let me know. Uh, I'm down. Um, but my my gaming buddies like read the news stories and were like, oh, they let like a child rapist go. And I'm like, technically, yes, but no. You know what I got to do is I got to stand up because when I like, do that, a lot of times. That's not really what, like that is, a, that is the underlying facts. Sure. But that's not what the case was about. The case was about honoring the agreement we made with the native people back in the 1800s. It it's also about federal law, too. Well, yeah, but it just so happened that the case where it made it to the Supreme Court was a case where someone touched a four-year-old child. So, yeah. like, I'm, I'm not, like, like, but, like, McGirt is probably going to fucking get prosecuted by the tribal people or what I, oh, wow, I sound super racist there. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, by the, the by the, federal, by I was, basically the I was, I was, I, I was going off the cuff and I really didn't know what to say. And that's just what came out. I apologize. <laughs> that's not what I meant. By the feds on it. <laughs> that's not what I meant. By, by the, 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 the native people probably have their own justice system and he will likely be prosecuted by them um, in due time. If well, not, if it hasn't already happened, for fuck's sake, I don't know. He could also be prosecuted by the federal government. Well, that that too. Like all that's all that did it was say that the state government of Oklahoma cannot uh, prosecute native people for what they do on native land. I ask simply if the fed if the feds don't care about like kitty diddlers, then what the fuck am I paying you for? Exactly. 
then then, then give me back the twenty five percent of my paycheck. If you're not gonna do, if you're not gonna do anything about it, then you don't deserve my money. What's gonna be that rainy day thing that they're gonna use that Ninth Amendment for? Like, what's the new? Here's thing the that's thing. Come up? I have no idea. <laughs> because like it's. It's so versatile that you could kind of use it wherever you need to. Well, I think that's why it doesn't get brought up very often is because they wouldn't. I, I think the avoidance issue there is that it's so malleable. Because like, like, let's be fair. The Ninth Amendment essentially gives the Supreme Court the ability to make up a right. This is true. Like it, well, we, we, we believe so. I think that's the other problem. Well, no, one problem with our dynamic is we agree okay. a lot. But if, but, but, but if you take the actual reading of the Ninth Amendment, how could you argue? Because the Ninth Amendment, for, in layman's terms, says just because we didn't enumerate it here doesn't mean that right doesn't exist. That is what it essentially says. It's, it is an acknowledgement by the founders that there was no way that they could take every right that people had and put it in a document. And so it gives the Supreme Court the ability to just, like, the right to privacy is arguably a Ninth Amendment right. Because it's not mentioned, the word privacy doesn't exist in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. This is true. It's, it's to, well, to it, me, it's... To me, the Ninth Amendment is going to be pulled out as a weapon in the next row-level case. Mm -hmm. Like, how that manifests, I don't know. Personally, I thought that would have been Obergefell, but I was wrong. Yeah, that's... I agree with that. Kennedy fucking did whatever he wanted with that. I'm not even going to get into how shitty that opinion is. It was a right, right decision, but it was a shitty opinion but you know whatever yeah he got to write a lot of weird opinions over the years because he was the no, five it four guy weird. it didn't even make fucking sense that's just again he's the five four guy a lot of the time I, except for I, the, the rare occurrences where roberts was the five four guy i i implore all of the listeners to read the obergerfeld decision and try to explain to me what he's what he's actually saying because it's guarantee... not a good legal it's not a good legal no, opinion no it's not i can't explain it to people it's just like it's something about dignity i don't fucking know which again if he had used the ninth amendment we would have had maybe a little bit but, but he, i think he, he but, i think him he, being the conservative but, justice who voted with the liberals even have to go there he could have used equal protection that's true too again I'm going to go off and talk about how smart of a lawyer I am. <laughs> Again, I was in law school. Like my, my one L summer was that, was that year. And my, my, my exam for con law was essentially gay marriage. I was asked to write an, you know, an analysis and I went straight to equal protection and I got a fucking a on that paper. <laughs> and I spoke to, to, to Gonzalez about it afterwards after the whole decision came out and Gonzalez was like, you kind of wrote the opinion better than Kennedy did, <laughs> frankly, because he's like, yeah, there's an equal protection argument. And I, and, and I threw the ninth amendment in there for good measure. And he's like, yeah, I think that's better than this whole dignity bullshit. 
like to me obergefell is like the it is the epitome of a kid who like get who like they're doing math homework and they get the they get the like they somehow manage to fuck up the work but the answer is correct mm-hmm. and you're just like well i guess you did come to the right decision so fuck it i'll pass you So I also got another question. I had a question. Um, this is uh, one of the videos I did was on the National Voter Compact, which is uh, somebody reached out and they were like, hey, like after the, the Electoral College case, do you, how do you think this will affect the, uh, the National Voter Compact? Which is the, basically all of these states are, there's a bunch of states already in it. Where they, that's, it, that, that's the thing where the states are saying that they pledge that all of their electors will go to the winner of the popular vote. Yeah, so there's... Uh, I, I think, think that's I have, a victory for them, isn't it? I don't... Well, I do think it's a slight victory because they are... It, it depends on how you look at this case, right? If you were looking at it as them saying... I, I do think it's a victory because they're saying that the states get to decide how the electors are... Like basically get to decide how the electors vote, how they're picked and everything. That's kind of, that's essentially the holding of the case is that they can um, either remove or punish the, the electors if they go a different direction. The question here is now that they've given the vote to the people of their state, now what you're doing essentially is instead of giving the vote to the people of your state, you're giving to the country and whether that would be allowed. I think Bush v. Gore, which is maybe one of the, the worst cases ever in the history of the United States. Yeah, people don't talk about that one that much. Bush v. Gore actually comments on it slightly and says that actually if the states wanted to, they could go ahead and uh, take the right back, which is kind of weird because we've never really seen anything like that. This would be the, the, this would be the workaround uh, move of it. That would be this, this would be like the first instance of at the first instance, we've seen this before a little bit where they try to work around the Constitution because mm. it's a 200-year-old document that maybe should be redone a little bit. <laughs> so I, I get maybe the argument of you are changing who... I, I think because it's still technically... A, the, the purpose is democracy that it would maybe hold up. I think it would depend on the court. I I don't understand why the Supreme Court would turn it down. There is actually one thing that might be an issue here, and it's not the, it's actually not Article 2, which is the one that says that the state, the legislature may direct the the number of, like, the electors and how they vote. Um, There's actually, in Article 1, Section 10, there is a, there is a clause that's basically saying... Where is it? Article 1, Section 10 of the the Constitution says, no state shall without consent of Congress enter into any agreement or compact with another state. Uh, Which would basically mean that that Congress then, after this compact is reached, which you would need the the amount of electors to be reached. Okay, but like, like, here's my problem with that. How would you even enforce that? Uh, Well, I think there's a question of whether that, that really is the big question is can like can the is there any kind of recourse right because like, is there you you could say okay you guys are not allowed to make a compact but if the states are allowed to to punish their electors 
Well, then we'll just make it unofficial then. Like, what, what, what could they even do about it? Well, first off, all you would need is for there. Congress can implicitly approve it by just not vote by not passing a law contrary to it. Um, and that comes from Virginia versus Tennessee. Okay, but like, let's be real. That will never pass, and that that will never make it past the House. So it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. So they would never. There's a question as to whether Congress has to explicitly go ahead and okay it or implicitly okay it. If that, if this is, I, I think one of the the major issues has always been uh, whether or not they it changes the political power structure between the states and Congress, right? That's kind of the, I think the, whether they need to explicitly approve it or implicitly approve it, right? If Congress wants to go ahead and take it away, they can pass a law that says, you know, that they're not allowed to do this. Yeah. Like that's how I would view it. But, but even then, if, if the problem is the states are saying, Hey, we're all going to, um give our electors to the winner of the popular vote like so what what are you going to do because you could uh, you would have to pass a law stating that the states can't do that i don't even know if that's constitutional as to whether the the congress could pass a law and be unconstitutional i mean i i think what's happening is like that is a provision that is meant for like other things like not like because if the states individually decided to do this, you couldn't stop it. So you're saying that you could stop it if the states conspired to do it together, but if they just individually came to that agreement, that would be fine. Well, here's the problem, right? So in order for the national vote compact to work, every state that is involved with it all has to all their electors have to kind of go the same route, right? What happens if a state pulls out like 10 years from now and everybody goes back Fair to the enough, old way? But like, what are the odds of that happening? I don't know. <laughs> I, actually, it, I could see it happening if somebody got tired of the, the, the way the current system is. I think at the end of the day, my thought on this is there's nothing that the federal government could do to stop it. Like, sure, that that provision exists. Yes. But I don't think that provision was meant to stop things like this, and it probably wouldn't work. Because what, because what would be the remedy? Um, the remedy would, make the remedy would then be that the states would then have to give their electors to whoever the – to whoever won the electoral college or, or like it, it, it seems to me as though per, perhaps it is true that the constitution forbids states from conspiring together without consent of congress mm-hmm. but this is an issue for which there would be no remedy and therefore there'd be no standing yeah like yes technically you are right that the states couldn't do this but you couldn't sue the states because there is no remedy for the problem. Well, and, and it goes back to Article Two gives the leeway of the states to go ahead and appoint their electors in a certain in any which way that they seem fit. I mean, so. it also begs the question 
are there provisions of the Constitution that are possibly contradictory? Sure. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's a problem that we have to work out when they arise. But again, like to me, it's like, I don't think the federal government could force the states to do anything if this were challenged. And so it just, it just comes down to, uh, to, um, to, uh, to, to a standing problem. Like, sh like, like what, well, maybe not standing, C correct me where I might be missing. What's the thing where like, is, is it standing if there's no remedy or is that a separate issue? Uh, if it's moot or if it's ripe. I don't think, actually, I don't think any of them standing would be who would be able to sue. So I, well, I, well, I, I honestly, honestly, I couldn't sue if that happened. Like who would have standing for that would be. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I, I might be confusing this for the state provision for failure to state a claim. Mm. Because it's like, sure, you might be able to sue for this, but there, but on your claim, there is nothing that we could constitutionally do. So it doesn't matter. Like, I guess you could get declaratory judgment, but like that doesn't really do anything. It, what are you going to do? Are you going to force them to go back to the old way of doing exactly? And, and I and I don't think that that the federal government could force that. It's like yes, the states have conspired to do something, but you couldn't prevent the damage anyway. So what's the point? This is true. I don't. Yeah, it's that's the weird thing is how would you affect that? How would you prevent them from conspiring here? Well, it's like not even that. Like you could say that them conspiring was unconstitutional, but that you, as the court, have no power to stop them from doing what they want to do. Like, like be better point. The states have broad power over health and human services issues. Mm -hmm. If if all if, if if let's say all fifty states can no, let's not say fifty because someone has to sue. Let's say forty nine states conspired to build affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And one state wanted to sue to block it. Well, okay, they conspired and maybe them doing that is unconstitutional, but you couldn't prevent them from doing the thing anyway. If, if the thing that they are agreeing to do is a right that those states have, it kind of doesn't matter if they conspired to do it together or not. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I think I, I guess you're like, I guess essentially the, the, the crux of it is, I, is what's the remedy? I, the, I, yeah, no, like I, I, I it's not like a tax, like an interstate tax or something. I think that's kind of, <sighs> there, there's a couple of different ones that I could think of where the compact comes into a point, right? I fully um, acknowledge that this is like a point I'm trying to make to you because you were also an attorney, but for the listeners, this may be highly technical. Yeah. And it's like, the, the main issue is, it may be unconstitutional, but there's nothing the court could do about it. So they could say it's unconstitutional, but they couldn't stop the action. Yeah. So uh, I know which we talked I, about it. In the which I would argue is the reason why no one's brought this lawsuit anyway. Well, it's not ripe yet because it's not past the, the 270 mark. Let's be fair. Even if you you know as well as I do that mootness and ripeness and standing are excuses. Yes. If the court wanted to take it, they would. And if I were a if I were a Republican state AG and I wanted to do this, I would take it up. Because what's my worst case scenario? It gets kicked out for not being ripe. 
let's do it again. Well, I think the, the thing is, is you'd have to, actually, this might be one of the, the few situations where it would automatically go to the Supreme Court. It would not have I'm, to wait because it's, it's a dispute between states. I'm willing to bet that no one's going to bring up this lawsuit because they know it's a loser. Dude, I do know who would bring up this lawsuit. Who? The states that are not part of the interstate compact. They're not going to do it. I, 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 I will bet a dollar that it will never come. I'm up. saying that's who would have standing to do it. And those sure, the but they won't would... because they would have done it by now, in my opinion. I don't because I, I think that because it's not law yet, because there's not enough states in that compact and because nobody has so far appointed their electors in that manner, nobody is suing about it because it's not currently a law. Like Otherwise, it would be a thing where a court would go, this is, this is not ripe. This is not a thing yet. So you have to wait till enough states are a part of the interstate compact. But I like, really, like, I, I, I not, But why not take your chances? Because you could find a district court judge who's willing to, like, I, I, if you were forum shopping, I don't know. I disagree. I think if you really wanted to beat this, you could do it. Shit, literally speaking, like, like th there's so many cases that, that are either moot or, or not ripe, and the courts take them anyway because, like I said, it's an excuse to not do something. If they want to take it, they'll find a reason to take it. That's true. I, I think the fact that it's not law yet is the problem. And usually that's a big enough thing where it might never be become something there might never be enough states in the interstate compact where it warrants the expense of trying to stop it now what do these people care it's taxpayer money that would go to fighting it well as opposed to spending your time and money into say if you're an ag that's interested in antitrust work you might rather work on the antitrust issues than say you know something along the lines of the interstate compact which is not a thing yet that's not actually affecting elections. I can under, I understand what you're saying as far as like Republicans go. Like, you know, if you're, if you're staunchly against the interstate compact, if you're from a state, I can imagine an Iowa, you know, an Iowa AG being like, this is ridiculous. This takes away Iowa's power or, uh, which I actually don't think it does. In fact, if I'm, no, a state it doesn't. if I'm a state that's against it, I'm like Ohio because Ohio is the one that's like, everybody's fighting for Ohio and Florida every couple of years. By the way, Florida's going to change a lot once this uh, – uh, now that, that that law passed. Although, there, you know, the DeSantis who – by the way, DeSantis is a great A more. I think we went over that last week when we were we – weren't, I don't think we were on the like, – I don't think we talked about DeSantis, although I do think he's an idiot. I think we were – we kind of talked – it. we weren't on the podcast when we were talking about it, but we were kind of like – we were talking about all the governors and stuff like that. Um, but we were kind of chatting about it afterwards. But like DeSantis has spent a lot of effort and time because Florida had that their state constitutional amendment to allow uh, felons the right to vote. And one of the things that DeSantis has been fighting is that anybody who's a felon who has not paid their 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 legal fees, like they're not haven't paid their fines yet, they're not allowed to still vote. Isn't that a poll tax? That was the argument. Unfortunately, I'd argue that's a poll tax. I mean, I, I, I think the counter argument to that is is it's 
it's like if you were because again if you're allowed to stop somebody from voting because they were a felon then i feel like the, okay, but, the but fines to, and fees related to that to me the question is this though when in american history has it ever been okay to deny someone the vote because they were in debt I mean, currently, it's it hasn't been a thing because, until this. Because is. what that because what that means to me is, if I owe a bank money, I can still vote. But if I owe the government money, I can't. I think that's the essential difference, though. Although that that robocall but, case made but, it made but, that kind of. But what sense does that make? It doesn't. It doesn't make. Well, I mean, we distinguish that in bankruptcy too. Government debts are considered different than you know credit card debt. Perhaps it's harder to get get rid perhaps. of uh, tax. But, I, but I'd argue that voting is such a fundamental right that I think it it should be seen differently. I do know this was raised, and in fact, I think that the Supreme Court just rejected this as a potential case. Let me just check SCOTUS. Florida. Um, I spelled Florida wrong. Wow, good job. Yes. Uh, d- yep. So, Supreme Court deals major blow to felons' rights to vote in Florida. Um, has left in place a lower court order that will likely prevent hundreds of thousands of felons in Florida from voting in November election. It's the fourth time that the court has refused to intervene to protect the rights this year. Um. I think the fact that that uh, so I think the the trick to this is right. If I on, on the one end, I totally I I'm totally against. I I think you shouldn't be allowed to prevent people from voting based off of being having a felony. I don't think I, I don't think it makes sense anyway. And I think if you've made it part of your state constitution to to allow them to vote, you clearly had a directive here. And the fact that DeSantis has spent all his time and effort trying to fight this. And has tried, okay, you know what, we're going to make it that they have to pay their fees back and all that kind of stuff and all that bullshit. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, fine, don't let them be able to drive. Don't prevent them from being able to vote. That's We already said we want felons to be able to vote in this state. So. See, to me, DeSantis is one of those Republicans who hitches wagon to Trump. Yeah. And if Trump keeps on getting fucking wrecked like he's been, DeSantis is probably going to be a one-term governor. Well, I think this is where I, I think there's got to be some effort. I, my my as a outside Democrat, right, as an outside liberal, because I, I, I use the term Democrat, but I, you know, I know a lot of people who are like, afraid of the term Democrat, because to be honest, it's like I, I, I'm a Browns fan. So I'm already used to all losing. But <laughs> so like I, that's basically well, my, I don't know, man. Democrats won big in 2018. That's because like sometimes they give you the win. Right. Sometimes like the, the other team is so bad. Okay, but walk in. to be fair, though, have they done any better in the last two years? Because I don't think they have. Well, that's what I'm saying is like the Republicans have been so bad, right, that it's, we are, the Democrats are getting wins because of how bad – like, but there's no reason like, – like, for instance, looking back at 2016, like it was – there was no reason why that, like it went the way it went other than the fact that we put up some really rough candidates – against each other and the the one who is more populist won which I'm the, yeah more populist until he actually took office and yeah then, 
literally like don't get me wrong i don't think any of our listeners are coal miners but like i'm just gonna ask right now and i will say for the record i feel bad for the people of west virginia but i don't think trump did dick for the coal miners of west virginia oh i agree I'm, I, listen, I'm glad we're winning now. I'm just hoping we can keep the winning going. And the problem is, is I yes. don't know if that, I don't know if we're going to be building on that past. Biden Hopefully, needs to I'm, continue to do nothing, and he will win. <laughs> just, just sit in your basement and do nothing. Hide. <laughs> but I think a winning strategy here would be for some agency, some, some, let's say 501c3 to pop up out of nowhere, and maybe help try to restore felons rights to vote down in Florida. That would be kind of like a new like fundraiser kind of thing as like, Hey, we think that it's important for people. To I mean, be able to vote. That, that's the kind of thing, like, again, me as a legal services attorney, that's the kind of thing that we would do, but I I'm from New Jersey, not from Florida. Yeah. Like that. I'm not going to like put the burden on like my, my fellow legal services attorneys in Florida to fix this problem but that is the type of thing that we do although i will say they probably are they probably were the ones fighting a lot of this to begin oh yeah with, so. i'm sure that i i'm sure that i have like a counterpart in like florida who's working their ass off to like get these people eligible to vote like i i, I have no doubt about that i am just very lucky that i live in a blue state where my job is far more appreciated By the way, the whole thing around nonprofits is, is its own. That, that that might be its own episode one day is nonprofits. Because that that I have many private I have nominee. many feelings about nonprofits, especially when it comes to law. Well, like the fact that like health, you know, like hospitals are considered nonprofits, but they could be making tons of money and, you know, well, I mean, universities. But realize that's not like what nonprofit actually needs. I know. Well, that's the intriguing part about it. Nonprofit doesn't mean you don't make profit. It means that you don't have private enormity. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I'll, I'll say for the record, like I worked for a nonprofit law firm for a year and I think we did amazing work for the people that we were able to help. Just the concept of like behind what, like I think people over like I think that alone is its own education opportunity is teaching people what nonprofits are. Yeah, that's a very misunderstood thing. Mostly a tax designation, and you have to fit mm -hmm. in certain categories. And then actually, I I did a property tax appeal for uh, for for a nonprofit back when I was in law school and won it. Oh, very nice. So I was, yeah, that was, uh, so that worked out for me. Um, that's, that's how I got the Myron M. Wally award. That was, the, <laughs> which that was hilarious. Cause I didn't know I was getting it. And they announced those stupid awards at graduation. Like, oh, oh, I, I must've done a thing. I, yeah, I didn't know. Like my, I, I was like sitting at graduation. They're announcing all these awards, summa cum laude. And I didn't get a single, I'm like sitting there going like, Oh, that person's getting award, and they go, okay, the Myron M. Wally Award for like uh, for real estate transactions, and then like apparently Offont and uh, Roberts had uh, had uh, put me up for it, and I'm just like sitting there, and I hear Myron M. Wally Award, 
and I'm like, this is a weird one. I wonder who got this. And they say my name. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Who? Would- so I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I love Alphonse. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he's the president of the board of my job. <laughs> if he, if he ever hears this, I love you either way. <laughs> I love Alphonse. But you are, you are also the person that approves the budget that gives me a raise. So, I love you. <laughs> I don't think he hears this podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe if we sent it to, I could probably. I am you not never, present on Facebook, but you never um, know. <laughs> uh, this guy who used to be a part of my uh, my clinic, and this other guy who I happen well, to be I'm in not charge. Why? Like n- now that he knows I I work for like the office that he is a president of the board for, he seems to care more about what I do. <laughs> Which I guess makes some sense. Like, if I was president of the board for, like, a nonprofit, and I knew one of the employees who was, like, out in the trenches, I might care about what they're doing. Because when I run into him, he will ask me very specifically, like, what are your case numbers? I'm like, oh, I can tell you that. <laughs> All fun's entertaining. I just he's, remember, he had the funny punishments. He's a lovely man. Yes. He had, he had some very funny punishments. I didn't do a speech on why you have to update the V drive. <laughs> I think I told you that story. Yeah. Gotta update the V drive. Did the whole no more speech. No more. Forgot to plug in my uh, my USB. Uh, yes, I, I, I was, that was fun. I do miss those days a no, little bit. I, I hung out with Dubin a lot more, and we talked about how admin law is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Admin law is another one of those things that people don't have a full strong concept well, again, on. For the listeners, if they if they've been, been paying attention, I practice admin law for my for my living right now. So, but even like the the where it falls on things, like you know, like there's it's, the problem with admin law is that they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and you you kind of just have to deal with it. <laughs> It kind of shows how inept Trump's administration is that he just can't. By the way, he announced something regarding DACA, like that he's going to be releasing a new executive order this week on immigration. So he's going to try again at at destroying DACA because he failed the first time. There was some something I was reading right before I came on, uh, before we started recording this, had had something to do with. Yes, here it is. See, but here's the thing I don't understand, though. Like, even like Republicans don't support sending Dreamers back. I don't really get what what he's trying to do. Oh, here it is. So, um, President Trump and top White House officials are privately considering a controversial strategy to act without legal authority to enact new federal policies, starting with immigration administration officials tell Axios. Uh, between the lines, the White House thinking is being heavily influenced by John Yu, the lawyer who wrote the Bush administration's justification for waterboarding after 9-11. And then Yu detailed the theory in National Review article spotted atop Trump's desk in the Oval Office, which argues that the Supreme Court's 5-4 DACA ruling last month makes it easy for presidents to violate the law. This is, um, hmm. So like what's what's he gonna get done between now and the election? All I know is this is if he does go after DACA again, like what's the point? You're actually hurting yourself. Because like you said yeah, like, before. Like this is what I don't understand. Like I, even like like when you look at the polls, even like Republicans are fine with like 
dreamers staying in America. I, I think the real slap in the face is that like a lot of them joined the military. And like you're telling me that we're going to start sending veterans back to like these countries they've never really lived in. Yeah, I think that's the the biggest. That's why DACA was was made anyway. Yeah, like, it was that like, you had people I, who lived in this country their whole lives. Like I, I'm sure there's like a conservative listener that you have somewhere, but like I just don't understand how you can you can say that these people came to America by no fault of their own. They were children when they got here. They played by the rules. They did whatever they could. A good chunk of them have served our country and we're going to send them back to a country that they, they've never known. In fact, I had a case. I, it wasn't my case, but I've dealt with like, I, I did some, uh, I did some like spot, like clinic stuff. Like I was, uh, I think I had already opened up my practice and I just went up and did some work. And there's a lot of things like that where like there, uh, they did like a, a, like a day clinic up in like uh, Rockland, New Jersey, uh, Rockland, New York. And they were doing stuff for like, they, they were discussing that kind of stuff with like, uh, it was, some of it was DACA cases. Some of it was, they were, uh, they had extended, uh, they were extending the, uh, a disaster uh, designation for people from Honduras or Haiti because they had the earthquake and they had extended, they had like an emergency, like you could stay here for another six months kind of deal. Yeah. But I met a couple of people who also had DACA issues that were like, it was like a big deal. Like they had, you know, they, they never even lived in that other country. Yeah. Like that to me is the fucked up part. We're like, it's not like they came here you know, to like screw over the American taxpayer. They just found themselves here and like, well, whatever, man. Like as long as, as long as you're like living a good life, like what do I care? All right. So let's, maybe we could wrap up the, the episode with this one little thing, because I had mentioned it before we were talking about it before we started rolling. Um, the Washington trademark issue. Oh, I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit. I, don't I mean, know. I'll talk about it. But Plus, like, I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is on the name anyway. So uh, Washington uh, football team down in D.C. They're, uh, they're renaming their team, everybody. And what do they do? They, uh, they announced it. And then immediately afterwards, about like 20,000 people, not 20,000. There's like, like 15 people who, who trademarked some of the best names. One of the names was one of my favorite names. It was a name I, I mentioned. I should have trademarked it the second I said it on one of my videos or my podcast that I also do draft vice. Can I say for the record, this feels like a draft vice crossover. It is a little bit of a draft vice <laughs> crossover. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll promo it on draft vice a little bit. Um, no, cause this is a big, I, I think it's kind of an interesting, like there's a lot to, to there is, there actually are a lot of law sports podcasts. I mean, my opinion on this is actually rather, like, uninteresting in that, like, one, do I personally find the Redskins name offensive? No. Uh, because for the listener's knowledge, I am Black, Italian, and Japanese. I don't know if I am Native American, and it really doesn't offend me personally. Yeah. But I know it offends some other people. But here's the way I look at it on the other end. The Redskins as a team own the IP. It's their intellectual property. And if they want to change their name, the reason why doesn't matter. 
It is theirs to do what they will with it. And so I'm just indifferent. If that's what they want to do, that is on them. And I respect their decision to do what they will with their team. So I've been very pro them changing the name. Um, and uh, longer than they've actually admitted to, oh, we're going to start doing it now. Uh, just because, listen, if there's a segment of the population who there's a true reason to be offended by the name, they are against it. I, why? Why keep something that's been around? Oh, uh, for tradition purposes? That's the whole argument for why they want to, uh, for why a segment of the population, a segment of the team's fandom wants to keep the name. By the way, it, it's probably hurting them from getting new fans. Like, that's really the big problem with it. It's actually, that's not tr- primarily why I wanted to bring up their name change. Um, they're already announced that they're changing the name. So I think it's kind of moot at this point. I've been pro for them changing the name for a while. And so they're doing it. The problem is, uh, as soon as they announced that they were going to do it, or they were thinking of doing it, uh, all the fun names got trademarked out of nowhere, right? Um, I, like I was saying before, the one the the team name that I really liked was the Washington Warhogs, right? Kind of like you can do like a like a a, a a crossover with Disney, get Timon and Pumbaa in there. So mm. I, I kind of was always kind of intrigued by that kind of concept. Somebody trademarked that one. Uh, this one guy, uh, Mar- Paul Martin McCauley, registered a whole bunch of them. He actually had like four or five of them from like a few years ago, because like this has been a this has been a recurring issue for like six years, and he registered a whole bunch of them. He's been he what he does is he has like a a thing where he'll like make a bunch of them for like mugs or t-shirts, and I guess I, I guess he was like betting on them eventually changing the name, and he's been very pro them changing the names. He also recently filed some 1B applications for, and the 1B application is you are, you intend to use it in interstate commerce. It's not, you don't have proof of it yet. It's basically like, hey, I want to use this. I'm making my business right now. It usually costs a little bit more money, which that's the weird thing with this. This is an expensive process to go ahead and file all these trademark applications. And so he filed a bunch of like 1B applications, which means he hasn't used them yet. Uh, you know, some of the ones that he has pending are the Red Wolves, the Red Tails, the Monuments, the Veterans, the Renegades, the Warriors. Uh, he's got a few other ones. So he's kind of like the big one. He's even, he's actually applied for trademark hog. Like he's just bought into the, into the thing. And I kind of like, he's kind of, he said like, listen, I was actually, I'm kind of willing to let him get it for free to be honest. He was just kind of saving it in case they decided to trademark any of those names. And that he'd be willing. The thing is, you can't tra- you can't transfer a one B application. All they'd have to do though is file the trademark, and he could pull his application. I mean, like I was saying before, though, like the team could just not pick those things. That's true. I mean, it comes like, down to it, what do they want to do for it, the name? It's, I think it's not Tales- that hard. Like, look at the list and be like, okay, what do we like? That's not one of these. That's true. Uh, I know they want to keep the colors. I, I kind of do like the, the Red Wolves one. That's kind of like, grown on me a thing, bit. Though, you don't, like, have to have the color in the name. Like, example, the New York Jets. Why are they green and white? The last I checked, most Jets are not green and white. Or most Giants are not red, white, and blue. I mean, have you seen a Giant? You get my point. <laughs> So, or like, why are the Raiders black and silver? They could be any color, frankly. 
The Raiders. I actually like that, the black and silver, though. But, like, like, you could keep the colors and name it whatever the fuck you want. That's true. And uh, they might go a whole – you're right. They might go a whole different way. I did think it was an interesting concept, though, the idea of a trademark hog, the, the, the squatting on a bunch of trademarks to try to reserve them. I mean, like, I'm okay with that. Like, that's how the law works, and you did it. But, like, the team is not obligated to pick one of those and pay you for it. If anything, you're running the risk of them not taking those names. Yeah, like all you're kind of doing is like making it less likely that they won't do that. And like, like I don't know. I, I, I looked at that list. None of them are so clever that I'd pay for them. True. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's still more out there. I think there's a lot of them that people went ahead and trademarked. Like, but... Because to me, it's not the same as like a domain name where like you kind of want to have like the exact thing. This is kind of an amorphous uh, figure out whatever you want to call yourselves. Who cares thing? Well, that's the thing. I think trademark people overestimate people compare people think trademark is copyright, right? And it's not. I think we've not discussed it a little bit. Thing. It's not even yeah. It's not even close. It's really more of a consumer protection. It's it's a thing to put out into the ethos. It's like so you could differentiate market uh, products in the marketplace. So we know that this T-shirt was made by the Washington. Uh, I monuments, red wolves, and whatever. For good measures, brother, you can lose a trademark if you don't use it. So well, that's no the other thing too. That this guy won't lose one his trademarks. Well, that's the other. That's true. Um, and in fact, I think he he's even kind of openly said that a lot of these he, they could probably dispute. Yep. Uh, he hasn't filed any uh any real products with them. Uh. And it's, it's a process. It takes about three months for them to even get looked at by an attorney. He said they could probably file them anyway. He was, uh, what's it called? A uh, very famous sports law attorney, Darren Heitner, went ahead. And uh, I think my, my question is, did he reach out to who reached out to who here? But he got retained by him on this. Uh, so uh, what happens is they basically, they, they go through a review process for some of these trademarks. And when you file a 1B application... You know, you, you give the, it, it, by the way, it has to be a bona fide intention to use it in interstate commerce. It takes about three months to do that. Yeah. And like, there's, again, there's a really good chance like he's going to lose a lot of these trademarks. Yeah. Uh, if your application meets the filing requirements, it's, exi- it's assigned to an examining attorney. Now, this guy's familiar with the process, he's done this before. Um, he has like, I don't know, like 16, 17. He's got a whole bunch of them, supposedly. He's been doing it over the last six years. Um, but then an attorney reviews it, decides whether federal law permits the registration of the trademark. Uh, if the examining attorney does not find grounds for refusing it, it's then published in the uh, USPTO's trademark official gazette. So, and then people can make an objection to it, which here's the thing. How many people check the trademark official gazette? That's my question. How many times have I, like, if you own a business and you have trademarks, are you really looking into that? Like, are you... Or if you if you don't, that's even the bigger question. If you don't have a trademark, are you really looking into that? Hmm. So then you get like within thirty days of the publishing date, anybody who has you know whose business might be harmed by the registration of this trademark, say you don't have a federally registered trademark, but you do have a business with that name. For instance, I think there might be some confusion here with my trademark or my my state owned trademark. Is you know trademark could be both state and federal. Maybe you could dispute it then. It, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, this is a whole bunch of nothing. This guy 
if one of the if one of those trademarks he registered is one that the team wants, he might very well lose it because I'm sure he's not actually using it. For the ones he has the ownership of, because he has there's he has some of them where he already has the app, like he already passed the application process. He owns the trademarks. For the those he they would have a harder time getting, because he he apparently has shown that he's used it in interstate commerce. For the ones where he has filed the one B application, he hasn't used it yet in interstate commerce. They might be able to to fight with him on it, and that's where you would go to the trademark trial I mean, and appeal at board. The, at the end of the day, though, to me. This is a person gambling on whether or not he can predict what the Washington team will want to call themselves. And he will probably lose that gamble. That's true. Because nobody I, understands what Dan Snyder's thinking. Yeah, like, I just don't care. It's like, okay, you gambled on this. And maybe it'll pay off and maybe they'll buy out your trademark. Now his, Probably I, not. His theory is he was doing a good deed by hoarding the names. And he's no. offered to give it to them for no. free. F- fuck him. That's not what he was doing. He was trying to get a payday out of it. And then he got some negative publicity from it. And then Exactly. Like, I, don't give, I don't know what this guy's name is, but fuck him. He was trying to get a payday out of this. I don't care. That's what he was trying to do. So then he offered it to them for free. He said he reached out to them, sent them a letter. He's like, I, I offered it to them for free. Yeah, and you know what that probably means? It probably means they don't want his fucking trademark names and he guessed wrong. Then... He, he retracted it. He said after 10 days, he's like, no, for that first 10 days, I'm not going to, after that, I've given him time to go ahead and take one of them off my hands. He, they don't want it. Um, but like I said before, for the ones he has the one B application for, you can't transfer them anyway. You can't transfer an intent to use application. They're, just they're report- probably going to pick something completely different. So like, who cares? Or they're going to take one of the ones that he only just filed on. Possibly. And then... So then he changed his mind, and then what he said was, actually, I, I'll, I'll, I won't stand in, your pro- in front of your process, but what I'll do is I, I request that you guys donate to, like, some organization uh, for, I think one of them was for Native Americans. The other one was for, I, I don't remember. So he was, then he kind of turned it into a charitable thing. I think he realized he was getting some negative publicity when he retracted that I will give it away for free thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in this guy's head. Maybe he really wasn't looking for a payday for all I fucking know. But, like, man, you gambled on this. You spent a bunch of money to trademark a bunch of stupid names that they may or may not even give a damn about. (laughs) And, like, whatever. Maybe you'll get what you want. Maybe you won't. Probably not. I mean, I think uh, he probably won't get what he wants in the end. I think, I don't even know. It might not even be the same owner because they have a whole other scandal that's going on. <laughs> they had like 15 claims of sexual harassment inside the Washington Redskins building. Oh, them and every other organization, whatever. I'm just saying that was the big thing. And also, I think the bigger scandals would happen like five years ago with the cheerleaders. And that like Inside Edition did a video on this. Yeah, like, that's five years a ago. thing. I, that's, I mean, and I, and, I, and I don't mean to be so um, dismissive of sexual harassment issues. I think it's more so my point was everyone's shitty. What do you want me to do about it? Like, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm saying everyone seems to be shitty these days. So, like, yeah, them and everyone else. Well, I think a lot of fans of the team also just want to get rid of Snyder, who's the owner. So Good, good luck. He owns it. 
<laughs> uh, NFL has shown that they have, they can kick an owner out from owning it. They can force sales sometimes. They did that with Jerry Richardson a couple years ago. They kind of forced his hand on selling it. Uh, that's why the Carolina Panthers have uh, Tepper as an owner now. Uh, before that, they've done it before. It's not a common thing. They prefer probably not doing that. And Snyder's also one of the more wealthy owners, so they're less inclined to fight him than compared to somebody who might be a, like an owner who doesn't have a lot of money. Hmm. So, uh, I don't know if he get they get rid of him. I, I think that he sticks around. Unfortunately, well, I know that, a lot of people have not liked him the way he's well, run that organization. Well, that and he's also acquiesced. So, like, what are they going to do? Uh well, acquiesce to what the name thing or the or yeah, the, the name sexual thing. harassment? Oh no, they, they, that that's not a problem. I I don't think if he if he had said no to the name thing, I think they just would have given him a hard time. Well, he did say no to the name thing a few years ago. He did, and then I think they well, what happened was Nike and FedEx basically were like, "We're not going to sell any of your stuff anymore," and and he went, "What?" <laughs> I love how much power Nike has for a company that seems so like not under the radar but like it's like they're just everywhere and you don't realize it <laughs> you know uh, it doesn't uh, when it's your apparel that's on everybody and you have a store and then amazon got in on it too they're like we're not going to sell your stuff either like, so like i i remember back when people were boycotting nike because of the kaepernick thing and like people, people I know were like, "I'm never gonna buy a Nike product again." But they were wearing like Converse, and I'm like, "Oh, you're gonna be real upset when you find out who owns Converse." <laughs> <laughs> Not buying any more of their their like. Oh, you might anymore. you might want to rethink what you're doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you want, you can follow the podcast at Punk Law 101 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O, Death is in the End of Life. Punch like that delicious drink you drink in the summer months. And you could like this podcast. You could subscribe to this podcast. You can leave a review to this podcast, and we would beg you to do so. Also, share it. Share it with your grandma. Share it with your friend. Share it with a cousin you don't like very much. And tune in next week where we try to conquer the world with copyright and trademark or potentially bankruptcy. That might be a hint at one of the two topics we might be potentially talking about. Or we might be just pulling it out of our butts again. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.